X-Ray. And welcome to the Beervana Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. Uh, we are here once again in the studios of X-Ray FM. We are Jeff Allworth. You are Jeff Allworth, author of The Beer Bible, author of The Widmere Way, Secrets of the Master Brewers, and many other exciting volumes. And we are also Patrick Emerson, <laughs> professor of economics at Oregon State University. Uh, and with us, of course, is our producer, Will Romy. Will was not paying attention, but hi, Will. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> that time he got us. So uh, today, uh, we're going to jump right into the podcast because we have two special guests with us in the studio to walk us through the world of Japanese craft beer. With us are Red Gillen, a Japanese beer expert. Hi, Red. Hello. Red is the author of the Oshushu blog. That's correct. You might want to spell that so people can get that right. Uh, it is O-S-H-U. What is it? S-H-U-U. Uh, it's written in Japanese, so you have to warm up your Google oh, Translate to, okay. uh, to get through that one. Oh. Great. Uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, of course, with us as uh, uh, for the first time is Nat West, founder of Reverend Nat Cidery here in Portland. Thank you. I, I am with you on many podcasts on the other side, the listening side. I, I was, yeah, I was I've about never to been say, on the microphone I was side. about to say, with us, with us again, and the reason I said that's because uh, you have been a contributor to our mailbag, uh-huh, yeah. uh, and we have answered your question. So it's good to have you here live in the studio. Thank, Thank you, you for reading my mail, too. It's, it's good to get some answers. <laughs> yeah, thanks for writing. Yeah. Uh, since we have them here with us, of course, we'll skip to the news, and uh, we'll get right into it. So I'm going to throw it to you, Jeff, and why don't you take us away? Okay, well, Nat contacted me from Japan and mm-hmm. said, In June. Mm-hmm. yeah, you should do a podcast on Japanese beer and I'll bring some back. Mm-hmm. And so I was no fool and said, yes, let's do that. And by some, I, I meant six. Six. Yeah. And, and apparently uh, we have we have beer plus. Yeah. Four beers, two ciders to drink today. Cool. That's fabulous. So, uh, and and you you guys know each other somehow from yep. way back. Well, yeah, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, Red and I hang back. out in the same circles. Exactly, yeah, and brought lots of uh, Japanese visitors, and that is a, kind of a, a demigod in, as far as the, the Japanese cider uh, market and industry is concerned, so he gets a lot of visitors uh, from Japan. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lowercase d, lowercase g. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, why don't we... So we're going to talk about beer and cider. Mm-hmm. Why don't we... Uh, should we start with beer or should we start with cider? You know, what we should really start with is the why. When I was in Japan in June, and I thought, oh, we should talk about the thing that we were doing in June in Japan, and not just you and me, but a whole bunch of uh, brewers across Oregon were there. Right, right. So uh, in June, there was a festival called uh, Hood de Fuji. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this was a follow-up on a similar event in 2018 called Fuji de Hood. And what these basically were are collabo festivals between uh, Oregon brewers and cider cideries and Japanese brewers and cideries. So we started we had we started last year in 2018, uh, went very very well. And so the idea came up to have a follow up version, which is named Hood to Fuji, and taking place in Tokyo. And that's what both Nat and I and there were total what 17 different so. teams. Mm-hmm. Of breweries and cideries, so a total of thirty-four all mm-hmm. in, all, all together, uh, at the festival. And the sixteen beer and one cider. Correct. And, that's yeah. 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 And I'm assuming we should add for the listeners who don't live in Portland, Oregon, that this uh, refers to Mount Hood and Mount mm. Fuji. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yes. So we're talking about a Portland to Tokyo. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. Portland already has a very strong connection to Tokyo. 
um, we're both, you know, separated by merely an ocean, no, no real land masses between us. The trade has always been good. Red's business is really strong, bringing Japanese visitors to Portland to show them the, the specialness of Portland. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just a, you know, we were, we're not going to do a brewery collabor a brewer collaboration with very many cities around the world, but, uh, Tokyo is a fantastic place to do that kind of connection between Portland. Yeah. The, the Japanese fondness, I would even dare say like, you know, love for mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon is really strong a lot of Japanese are coming over here now mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. what's really interesting they're very much into our culture not about shopping at you know at for zero tax rates but they really are deeply interested in what we're doing and the whole sense of craftsmanship is really attractive to the Japanese because that's a that's a culture that's known for its craftsmanship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's interesting there are yeah. some things that are very similar and some things that are very different oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah I'm imagining the things that are different the things that are similar seem uh, more difficult to imagine, but we'll come back. Maybe we'll come back to the round of that as we. Some of the beer is similar. <laughs> so, uh, talk to us a about Japanese craft cider and beer. Uh, how long has this been around? Uh, what's what's the scene there? So the Japanese beer scene changed dramatically in 1994. Okay. With the passing of various laws in the in the alcohol tax um, tax code about. The minimum amount of production that was required was dropped considerably. Oh, I see. This is back in those days. So, um, what happened was there was this rush. I would say about 300 breweries eventually popped up because of this change in, in tax legislation, mm -hmm. and the result was, quite honestly, a lot of crappy beer. Mm -hmm. It was it was people jumping in mm -hmm. making beer. They didn't really know anything about it. There's no there. Uh, Homebrew is still illegal. It's still in Japan. Yes, so they, still, there uh, wasn't yeah. like in America where homebrewers were like, uh, okay, now I'm just going to make more beer. There wasn't this progression, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. yeah. Now this is interesting because um, Japanese has a long brewing tradition, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah. when we say beer, we're, mm. we're we're actually excluding a pretty important component the, of that. The, uh, the big mm -hmm. four, yeah. Uh, yeah. So sake uh, breweries have Oh, been, sake as well. Yeah, yeah. Brewing in Japan mm -hmm. in a lot of ways is yeah, sake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that existed. So w what kind of law would allow sake but not other kind you know, of barley, be, barley well, The beer industry had been dominated for by these the, the big four, right? And so there's been a lot of, you know, there was like a lot of pressure, a lot of resistance. The, the idea is getting the economy going. You know, after the war, it was, it was time to you know, keep things. Wait, rolling you should again. name the big four because you said that a few times. Oh, the big four, yeah. So, um, in alphabetical order, <laughs> Very good. Uh, Asahi, uh, Kirin, Sapporo, and Suntory. And Suntory, I think, is the only mm. one you really can't find. We don't get yeah. Suntory. Yeah. Yeah. But Suntory is a mostly a liquor company. Whiskey, they do all, yeah, yeah, whiskey. Yeah. They're very, so they very own famous for the whiskey. whiskeys yeah. that are made in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. On Jim Beam, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. So basically, it took until the '90s to get the liberalization of the market to come about. And what, as, as Nat was saying, it wasn't a, a gradual progression. It was people just jumping into making beer. They didn't know much about it. Um, often it would be a, a resort hotel that would have make its own beer and sell it in the gift shops. About and, a brew on premise, thing. right? Yeah. yeah, and um, and then result was really bad beer and it was quite expensive. Hmm. And so that had a really detrimental effect on the the microbrewery industry where people would drink this stuff they had not used to it. They've been drinking basically pilsners for you know yeah. eighty years. Yeah. That's, that's what beer was, right. and then drank this right. really weird, as far as they're concerned, different you know maybe not very good. Tasting beer, and it was you know probably three times as expensive as a, a good pint of, of Kirin, for example. And there are right. still there there are, there are very weird rules about what tax you pay in Japan depending on what ingredients you have, which is not something that's commonly found in the United States. Some states do this, but federally we don't have a different tax rate depending on the amount of malt or rice you put in your beer. Right. But that's a is a huge 
um, uh, disincentive to to make certain kinds of beers in Japan, depending on the ingredients that you put in them. So mm-hmm. Suntory's most famous beer is called Premium Malts. I know it's the most famous one. It's the most well, delicious no one. It's got malt in it. Whoa. 100% malt. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, is more expensive to make than a rice beer, uh, yeah. t- tax-wise. Yeah. yeah, And so, yeah, there is, and then there's, there are tax laws that basically create disincentives to use 100% malt. Although, over time, now that's changing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll eventually, there are these, what they call these, these second and third tier beers that have less and less um, uh, malt content in them. They tend to be very cheap because they're not taxed because they don't have malt. Um, but they taste, I mean, just as lousy. Yeah. Mean, yeah. So what are they, ma- they're just made out of rice or what What are they yeah, made out of? A lot, a lot of rice. They have some, they For have like a 10% malt. Yeah. They, 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 there's, like there's a, I think there's a, a floor on how much malt they have to use, but then yeah. there's rice and others. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sugar starches, or just yeah. starches? Starches. Yeah. Okay. yeah starches. So, uh, but they're the, creative with their use of starches over there. They use sweet potato for like fermentable sugars. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. Really weird things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, do the big four have tied relationships with restaurants and bars? Yeah. Is it um, hard to get in? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, exactly. They're, typically, a restaurant will carry one. It'll be right. a, a you know monoline, if you will. Yeah. Uh, just have one brand of beer. So well, they're fact, not they're not owned sort of like the way it is in England, right? No, no. There some that there's some like Kieran has a chain, but it's not major. Right. Um, uh, the result is when you go into a restaurant. You look at the say the drink menu and it literally will say beer. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you hope it's a Suntory yeah, or a Sapporo you know, you, place. You get, you get the like, oh, that's not the one I want. But you don't know, have a choice. A you know? place. Yeah, like a, like, I guess I'll get a Kieran. <laughs> now, why do you hope that it's one of those two and not the other two? Because of the best ones. So, you, have you guys done the Japanese light lager tasting, wine I, tasting? Here? We have not. Uh, no. We have not. Oh, we've right. not done it here, but I, I have you done get it the on good my own. Stuff in, Sapporo is, wins. Yeah, the stuff here is made under license. Yeah, in Canada, but still, it's delicious. Yeah, I'm a yeah. I'm a the, premium malts guy myself. So the, all the Japanese beer we buy here is not made in Japan. There's, there's no. Asai oh, used to have a sure. big, big ass drum can. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. I don't know if that's that was the only thing that was imported. I I don't know if that's available anymore, but I think uh, it's all brewed under license I'm not, now. I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, you should have. I can't believe you don't. We we should be drinking. Centauri all malt here right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> treat yeah. ourselves yeah. a pretty, little pretty bit. Pretty terrible. Are we drinking these things? How yeah. Let's 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 um. Why don't you pick whatever whatever is going to advance this narrative? Pick one of those. We things. just talked. We were talking about Suntory and then yeah. liquor. So this is. Um, I brought six drinks back from Japan, um, a, a range of, of styles and um, price points and, and uniqueness. This is the first one we're drinking is technically not a beer, but it falls in the beer world. It's called Suntory Highball. It's a can, twelve ounce can. Um, like most things in Japan, the can is not a normal American shaped can. It's got like these little ridges at the top. Um, and uh, it's 7%, and uh, just uh, basically whiskey and sparkling water. That's kind of how the best way to think about mm-hmm. it. It's right. called Japanese highball. Under oh. Edwina, please. Okay, oh, come here, yeah. Edwina. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's it. It's <laughs> like a professional. <laughs> Oh, and you brought some nice glassware for us. Thank you. Yeah, it's very nice. All right, let's. This this drink, by the way, is responsible for the the good whiskey, good Japanese whiskey shortage around the world. Really? Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically this is why the 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 whiskey was well, Suntory, basically, you know, one of the best known, if not the best known whiskey man, uh, yep. uh, distiller, uh, launched his products maybe about 10, 15 years ago, and and they started selling like crazy. And they, and they initially they used their good whiskeys into this, in this <laughs> and then they now they've run out of the good whiskey. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is extremely it popular. It smells like whiskey and water. It smells yeah. like, like Cuddy Sark and water. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, so, it's, a, so it's yeah. super inoffensive, very easy to drink, tastes like whiskey, oh, wow. tastes like soda. Yeah. So, but Red, tell us when uh, J- Japanese drinking culture is an extremely, it's a culture, unlike 
um, unlike anywhere else I've seen in America, for instance. And highball, the the canned highball fits a um, a step in the the, yeah. the nightly drinking yes, pattern. Yes, of, yes. Of, yeah. <laughs> I really Japanese wanted to ask about uh, the roadmap. Uh, the uh, Japanese drinking culture. Let's talk about that because this is not a product you'd find. Um, you know, I, there's flavored malt beverages which have their own weird little category, but don't yeah. really form a component of the drinking culture. So, right. talk to us about what the Japanese drink and and uh, so when the Japanese go out um, in in a group. Yeah. Um, now they're going to restaurants where there there are no choices. And we mm. talked about beer. The same thing is with. Well, there's know, no choices of, of brand. Of, yeah, brand. Yeah. And so they'll what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll say Toriyasu Nama. They mean let's start. Let's just start with a draft beer, mm-hmm. which I find mm-hmm. kind of offense to the brewers. Like we're kind of getting through this step so we can get into the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like an appetizer. <laughs> yeah, it's an appetizer. So, but yeah. they start off with with beer. Um, Typically and, large pours. Yeah, and they pour for each other. You you don't pour your own glass. Okay. Well, well, so, well, sometimes it can just come as from a bar like in a. Like filled up off the tap but oftentimes it comes in a pitcher or whatever yeah and you have to fill yeah or big big bottles yeah, and big bottles and japanese drinking etiquette is that you always pour into your 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 neighbor's mm. you know glass so right if you just, and the boss pours for the subordinates primarily and the, from the first go around yeah then when you get more drunk then the yeah. rules kind of you know they kind of <laughs> dissolve a bit but yeah. uh yeah you never have an empty glass this is mm. why you get really really shit faced and so when yeah. we were at hood to fuji I've never seen so many drunk to the point of being sick Oregon brewers. Yeah, I was bad. I mean, they were because they were not ready for that. Because you hear yeah. we control how much we drink. Yeah. But in Japan, your, your glass is always full. Yeah. But in Japan, you, you can also it not get like drink by just keeping your hand on it. And when somebody gets the bottle near your glass, you can kind of just like <laughs> yeah. hold on. You can, like, yeah, you you're can, not allowed to you do can, it. You yeah. can deny it. You but can deny if you're not paying attention, and of course, as you, you, many, the these you drink, brewers, yeah. many of these brewers showed up that night, that day, and then they go right into this. They're up for 30 hours and they're there being poured too much beer. And I had already been there for 10 Days, so I was a acclimated more... to it. <laughs> right. So you start with beer. Yeah. You start with beer, and your glass is always full. Um, and then they'll go to typically we'll go to the osake. You know, a little bit, a little bit lighter. And then mm-hmm. the thing about the beer, though, and I want to bring this this product back in, is it's often used as kind of a way to kind of break up the the, the beer consumption because as you kind of get filled up, yeah, uh, with beer. This is basically uh, the highball is eighty percent. Soda water, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one parts uh, whiskey to four parts soda water. So you want to take a break between the beers you have this then go to sake and then the evening uh, almost always ends up with um whiskey this this is kind of, this is the, the beer sake whiskey kind of progression happens right. that's t- typical of japanese drinking night and so uh-huh. by the end of the night you see a lot of people weaving um passed out on the street <laughs> and then the whiskey the, the whiskey the, the sort of whiskey shots or whiskey sipping can also be in conjunction with chuhai right mm-hmm. which is so chuhai yeah that's like a basically like a, a a, a, a shochu, which is a Japanese distill. It's kind of like a Japanese vodka. Mm-hmm. Okay. With usually come, some kind of fruit. That's the closest thing to a ready to drink that we have in America, like a, a PAB or a, you know, with some liquor and some fruit designed not to taste like alcohol very right. much. Yeah. Uh, a cocktail. But uh, it's very simple. You're not going to get it, it's, it's, they do have creative cocktail, cocktail bars, et cetera, in, 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 in Japan and Tokyo, but they also have. You know, every bar will have four or five or six chuhais. Flavors of this. There'll be the yeah. yu, the yuzu one. There'll be a pepper one. You know, a lemon lime one. Whatever. Yeah, some the citrusy stuff. Simple yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. That's just basic. Um, it's your basic sort of vodka tonic type. Yeah, drinks. that's and then, right. and then right now it's it's probably the can version, which we don't have to which I, No, is probably one of the fastest growing categories yeah. in Japan. Yeah. And the chuhais can be high higher ABV than this highball. Yeah, somewhere nine percent. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like this whole uh, setup that you just described is based on old, established national uh, 
industry trends, right? So like this is the stuff you go into a restaurant. This is not it sounds like the craft scene is not included in this. So how does how does the craft scene right. become uh, a part right. of the whole deal? So in Portland when you go out drinking it's it's there's an assumption that it's going to be craft beer. If, right. if no matter what the kind of no matter the kind of person it is, if you say let's go get a beer, you know, the the worst beer you're going to get is probably like a Sierra Nevada Pale and I say that with a lot of love. Um you, it's an assumption that you're going to go get craft beer when you go. It's hard to not get craft beer, right, but in Japan, right. that is not the case. No. You have to really hunt down. It's it's an active exploration to go find craft beer. Right. In, in it Tokyo. is so. You know, we we mentioned earlier, we were talking earlier about this. This 1994, the laws changed, and the result was really, really bad beer. Mm-hmm. Um, between then and the last, say, five or six years, there was a a, a lot of popularity of of European beer bars, mm-hmm. uh, Belgian. And uh, English beer bars, which is kind of a little bit of a gateway to an American craft beer. When, say, yeah. when Japanese say craft beer is basically the American style, you know, especially West Coast style, is very, uh, very popular over there. Um, I got. We, we're cracking open new now. beer. Keep new yeah. Keep it going. Nat's got this thing figured out. He, you talk while he cracks. <laughs> so the, the 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 craft beer scene had a more or less a renaissance, I would say, in the last six or seven years where there have been... And it's largely due to the influence of the popularity of craft beer in the United States. Mm. The Japanese do look to the U.S. for, you know, a lot of, in terms of, you know, cultural changes, trends. They, they, they look to the U.S. And so they saw the, the growth of craft beer. Um, and there were a number of breweries that started, I would say, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, started making it really well, not as a business opportunity, but that's because they, they were in love with craft beer. Right. And these are more kind of, I would say, the, you know, kind of the uh, um, legacy craft breweries that started, say, 15 years ago. Um, and then, as uh, Nat was saying, you just can't, you can't get this beer in any place you walk into. You have to go to craft, like, specific yeah. designated craft beer bars. Yeah. This, this, this one that we just opened, this is relating to the story that Red was just telling about Japanese brewers basically learning how to brew beer by going overseas. This is an example of an English brewer mm-hmm. who brewed beer in England um, he lives in Yokohama. This brewery's in Yokohama, which is just south of Tokyo on the water. Um, and uh, there, there are—he's not alone. There are—we have another uh, beer that we'll drink a little bit later by another English guy. And I think it's—it's it's fairly common. I, I, the Kyoto Brewing, but the, maybe the best yep. brewery in, in Kyoto. And there's is, a there's uh, a Northwest guy, Baird, right? He he, he started a brewery. Oh, yeah. Brian Brian Baird. Yeah, he started in the '90s. Um, he's one of the bigger breweries, craft breweries. You know. We're, we're using that term. I know this. Right, real another problem. Sure, probably five podcasts dedicated to that. <laughs> it's just big. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's. He, that's probably the biggest brewery led by a non-Japanese person that I'm aware of. There are also a bunch of people from Portland now who mm-hmm. are over, over there mm-hmm. working on in small breweries. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the like the the beer that Nat just poured. There, there's a lot of expatriates over there. You know, trying. Um, Moving the scene along, Kyoto is a really, really good brewery. Yep, Americans yep. and Canadians, Canadians and, and uh, Scots, and then yeah, somewhere in yeah, the, somewhere in there, Her Majesty's Empire. Yeah. So we should talk about this beer, yeah. Yeah, this is a, a brewery from um, a beer from a brewery called TDM eighteen seventy four, and TDM is uh, basically stands for something like ten mile. 10-day market, 10-day market. I think that's what it stands for. It's a, it's a. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna butcher this, but uh, <laughs> 10 days out from somewhere else, or every 10 days, a market appears at this intersection. And it's, it's a, a old name for the area of Yokohama where uh-huh. this is made. And I don't know what the reference to 1874 is. Do you know that? No, better, it's, it's originally a liquor store, though, isn't it? I believe that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 And so, so there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a microbrewery, uh, three barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did collaboration beer with him. Um, he, um, George Juniper, he's from, sorry, George, somewhere in England. Um, he, 
uh, makes a, a variety of sort of standard um, English style ales, which are which are very popular in England or in, in Japan. Um, but he also makes more creative stuff. When I was there, we made a, um, a salted citrus goso. Oh yeah, with. Okay. Um, Salt from Neatarts Bay, Jacobson Salt Company. Cool. I brought over the salt, smuggled the salt in, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> we used that Persian black lime that Dogfish Head uses in Sequench, and <clears throat> we used some Japanese citrus uh, sudachi and shikwasa. So it was a real, you know, America and um, Japan coming together. And then, of course, he's got he brings all his British um, brewing traditions as well. Yeah. This thing is a uh, described as the best bitter. It's got uh, it's malt forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know where they get their ingredients, so I don't. He uh, he, he brings them in. Most Japanese brewers are bringing in hops from overseas. They, yeah, they have to. Some there's a, there's malt a, as it's, well. it's it's hard. Um, there's a, there are a bunch. There's some importers that have questionable uh, yeah. inventories. Yeah, but if you want good <laughs> stuff, you basically yeah. you have to kind of get in yourself. I don't know if you guys have profiled Crosby in in this uh, pod at all. The hop farm. Yeah, they, we have not. They, that, that's, that'd be worthy of bringing one of them, those folks in sometime. They are starting to um, send over refrigerated containers of hops to Japan right. to uh-huh. supply the Japanese market. So props to Krause, but also that just kind of shows the maturity that the Japanese craft beer industry is, is undergoing that, um, you know, a, a craft hop producer can um, make a go Find at, a market. Yeah. at keeping good, good inventory levels mm-hmm. up there of mm-hmm. quality, well-stored right. hops. Yeah, this is one of those beers that, I, as always, I wish was on cask because that's what it demands. As this, right? It's kind of uh, effervescent for style. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're yeah. both huge. Cask. And I'm sure, listeners know big cask fans. Yeah, so. I'm sure George would agree with you guys. But yeah. I, I, do we see casks I've in Japan? Ne- I've never. I've never, never seen a cask in Japan. No. Yeah. So if George was trying to get uh, TDM 1874 uh, on tap at a local restaurant. What is there a barrier there, or is it just a cultural barrier? Or how, no, it, how it would be well now and prop to a um, you know a personal relationship. They'd have to kick out the incumbent big four brewery. Mm. So right? so they can't have two taps. They can. Um, they can. Well, they'd have, they'd have they would have cans. They, yeah. So the first step is cans, but there's there'd be a pricing issue. There's a space issue. I don't know if you've ever seen a Japanese keg. Five. There's some five liter kegs. Basically, you could you could chug. One of their cans. <laughs> yeah, they look like, it, it, it like, like a stick. There's like a, a six barrel. The standard one in Japan is a six, the fifteen liters. It looks, it looks like a six barrel, but it's just shorter, right, okay. right, right. Uh, than a normal U.S. six barrel. But yeah. some are like, I mean, this. this and they have these little tiny ones. They're like, yeah. they look like, like a, snare like, drums. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, pretty funny yeah. looking. Yeah, why, a, a few years ago there were there were little kegs that were for sale in the grocery store. You could buy. I wonder if that's like it's that. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like a yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, but it would take and also the the whole point of you know distribution. Right now in Japan, if you have Connections. Um, what they can do, small breweries actually are able to send their uh, their beer to other parts of Japan via basically refrigerated FedEx truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they self distribute that way. But right. it, it, it tends to be a lot easier to get into the craft beer bars. The, dis- the distribution network in Japan is nothing like America. There aren't exclusivity contracts. So the same two different distributors can sell the same beer in the same to the same restaurant at a different okay. price. Um, there's no bonding of trucks, so any 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 carrier can move beer around the country mm-hmm. and deliver That's it to correct. any yeah. Yeah. Wow. deliver it to any retail account. Um, so it's just a f- total free for all. I'm still not clear why you couldn't just add two taps. You both looked at me like I was a crazy man. It's but. tiny. The place is freaking. T- the the room that we're in is comfortable for the four of us. This would be the size of a slightly larger than average, maybe a um, tiny nice. little. Yeah. Place to sit. You have to have a kitchen. You have to have equipment. Yeah, um, you know, I see. Yeah, um, no. So you know, uh, 
it'd be a contractual there might be a contractual relationship between say the restaurant and the large brewery for yeah. example yeah. that but but there's no no legal there's no it's not written in legal code that you can only have one beer and yeah. i guess fundamentally the customers aren't asking for it that's probably the right. the, that, the bottom of the line excellent point right? they don't so, they don't know what they're missing yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. culture hasn't changed i had the same experience uh living in brazil the restaurants there were always like a Brahma. It would be a Brahma yeah. restaurant. And the whole thing would be marketed Brahma, and they'd have an exclusive relationship. I don't think it was legally uh, uh, prohibited to have a second one, but it's just not the it way they did business, right? Yeah. That, that's the way they it's, do business. Right. So but there's just no culture. You just you don't expect multiple right. beers. Right. And to find craft beer is hard. You have to go searching for a craft beer bar, and they're that they're, sounds very similar. They're to few, Japan. yeah. But how many, uh, Red? How many, how many places in in Tokyo proper? Um, can you find uh, more than one craft beer on tap in an on-premise establishment? Just take a wild in guess. A, in like a craft beer bar? Not necessarily a craft beer bar, but some place where it's going to have a, something, some something that rem- that smells like craft beer. <laughs> it would be it'd, uh, barely any nothing. I mean, there's it's basically craft beer bars have like craft beer bars. Sixty. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just don't. You just don't see it. It's it's like kind of like the thing Patrick's explaining. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. A regular a regular restaurant, a large restaurant has one beer. Yeah. Um, and there may be something in bottles and cans. Yeah. yeah that they don't take doesn't take up much space. So what is it like? Forty million people or something. Yeah. Something have have like six this. have access to sixty yeah, it's, places. It's, cra- uh, yeah, the, 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 it's a very low number. Yeah. Uh, aside from the, the craft beer bars, yeah. which are yeah. you know, um, over the craft beer bars have really in Tokyo especially have taken off. There's I can't count them anymore. Right. Right. Whereas right. up until a few years ago, I kind of knew every station that this, this is the one craft <laughs> beer bar. Yeah. Now I can't follow it. Yeah. 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 So uh, what does a craft beer bar look like in in Tokyo? Um, so. They typically have, it's interesting, craft beer over there is very much defined as being either made in the U.S. or mm. Japan. Okay. It's really nothing else, mm. right? You don't see Canadian craft beer. Right. You don't see European craft right. beer. And the Japanese mind, it's... it's you do it's, see some European imports, but... Not, uh, I mean, yeah, craft beer bars tend to be mainly... Just, I've seen some Belgian stuff, but... Yeah, but it's not yeah, much. Not much, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and so the typically bars will tend to focus on... Japanese only or mm-hmm. U.S. only right. uh, because, of course, there are there mixes, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll have it. They've you know the knowledgeable ones have a pretty good um, uh, menu variety of beers. The one thing that would strike someone from the United States, and especially someone from Oregon, where the the alcohol taxes are relatively low, is the the price of a pint of craft beer in Japan. <laughs> well, I mean, people, people, people. So I've been we've been selling River Nats now in Japan for about four and a half, five years, right. and they're, they're, everyone always wonders. Oh, I guess it's expensive to get there. And when I tell them, they're like, "Oh, talk about." It. And the, the way I always describe it, it's about twice as expensive as it is in Portland. It's just a general rule of oh, thumb. Yeah, right? I mean everything but, is. Yeah, but yeah. then you're like, oh, pint of hopper cop for fourteen bucks. All right, you know. Yeah, yeah. should I'm in Japan, so right. yeah. Yeah, so it's not crazy. I, I don't think it's crazy. Well, fourteen dollar so, pints. You're, yeah, go you're, to Manhattan. Yeah, they're, not the four, they're not fourteen dollars. Well, they're eighteen dollars, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You should be selling more in New York. Yeah, may, <laughs> maybe you have a business model I'm not familiar with. But there's a very good one. There's yeah. plenty of twelve dollar pints in in the most expensive places of L.A. and of New York and stuff like that. Oh, wow. sure. So to get a fourteen dollar pint of something from like, the opposite side of the world, I but, think it's a pretty good deal in I, a major city. It seems like I was in New York uh, this spring and. <clears throat> I don't. I never saw a fourteen dollar pint in That's, Manhattan. Yeah, Lower East Side. Yeah, at Happy Hour. 
Surrounded by bankers? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Those are $12. <laughs> right. may, may, well, maybe maybe if you go to you places. You're, you're living a faster-paced life than yeah, I am. I'm, 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 I'm my expense card is quite high. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm haunting those places where there's an Irish barman, you know? Oh, and, yeah. yeah that's a shot of Jameson and a, yeah. and a pint. Yeah. You don't pay $14 mm-hmm. in those places. Yeah. Well, in, in, in Japan, regardless of one's definition of expensive or cheap, it's about, I was about 10 11 bucks for a pint. In Tokyo, especially, yeah. That sounds like Copenhagen. And and how much? Is a pint of uh, Suntory or so that's support. about half. Okay, about five. Well, about 450 four fifty actually yeah. for a big, like a medium size, like you know, mug of of a, one of the big. Okay, the big yeah, they'll do like half liter pours. Wow, yeah, yeah they're like... pretty they're big. Yeah, so it's it's a big difference. It's yeah. a, you've got to really like you, yeah, and yeah. The, and the the I you know I have a lot of um, clients who are craft beer drinkers. Not part of necessarily in the industry. Even industry folks say the same thing. If you're into craft beer, going out and drinking every day is is going to get quite expensive. You can't yeah. do it. They right. they limit it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm opening another beer. This is, um, uh, I think it's just a golden ale. It just says gold on it, five percent, um, by a brewer, a brewery in Hakaba, called Hakaba Brewing Company. And Red can describe Hakaba a little bit more. And do you know the brewer? Uh, no, there? I've never been there actually. You never been Hakaba? No, uh, I've been there twice. Did <laughs> you? Tell so us I that? know about Hakaba. <laughs> Hakaba is um, uh, in uh, Nagano, and uh, Nagano is also known for the. Um, Skiing there. Um, right, there was a an Olympics there. Yeah, Japanese yeah. Alps. Oops, a little bit of Ooh. a little bit of a gusher there. Hey. <laughs> um, so this is another example of a micro. Will is used to this. Yeah, a microbrewery uh, operated by an Englishman. Um, Hakuba's run on the ski slopes, so it's as you're skiing down the the ski slopes, you're you end up at the at the um, little brewery tap room. Um, I think that's that's a fairly common thing in 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 Japan as it is in America for location based mm. um, breweries. Um, sort of the novelty, the experimentation. Customers are, are wanting experimentation, and and experimentation in location is an important way to get yeah, the drinks. Yeah, that's out true. There. And I think the you were um, Patrick and Jeff. You were asking earlier about the what, a Japanese what a Japanese craft beer bar is like. It's it's marked by I would say a lot of fickleness. Like you see. Here in I'd say the the, the the drinkers want something new mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, yeah, they, they rotate so. through the yeah. kegs very very yeah. quickly. This 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 beer this beer has some fantastic Belgian qualities to it, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that was intentional because yeah. the Belgian tradition use of uh, use of Belgian saison yeast Getting is a little ex- of that whiskey in this one. So uh, yeah. <laughs> is extremely popular in, in beer. I, I remember a couple of years ago when I was in Japan, I felt like all I was doing was drinking saisons. Oh. Every brewery makes yeah. a saison, mm. and for whatever reason, Japanese drinkers have just decided that that is an easy beer for them to mm. understand. It's kind of a required that yeah, an IPA. Yeah. Now that's yeah. interesting. So. Uh, I, we've talked about, and I've talked about on my blog, the push and pull. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a pull from customers, the kind of beers they want, mm-hmm. and brewers are kind of compelled to make those beers in the United States. IPAs yeah, are right, in that category. Right. And then there's a push. Brewers are interested in beers. And like, they, like brewed IPA. Like brewed IPA. <laughs> one is the most recent example. Mm-hmm. They're putting that out as a, as a possible new product. They'd like you know, to exploit a new market. Uh, and there's not a native interest, and sometimes right. they can build that interest. In the United States, saisons have been 100% push since the start. Right. Nobody oh. wants a saison. Customers yeah. do not want a saison. Yeah. Brewers love to brew saisons. Yeah. So is that mm. are the Japanese actually drinking saisons? Uh, they are, but I don't know whether it's a push or pull. I so in, I think in general Japan is more of a pull. My experience has been with um, if you look at the beer market and you've got a the pyramid between brewers, retailers, and consumers, the consumers and the retailers t- tend to know more about 
the beers that are, are, are selling well, that taste really well. The brewers are kind of the last ones to find out. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of beer, uh, U.S. beer being imported into Japan. There are a lot of folks visiting the United States and going back to Japan. And now, for example, uh, we've seen um, uh, one very, uh, there's a brewery called Uchu Brewing. Uh, that's, it just, all it does is hazies. Yep. <laughs> he went to America, Gross. drank the haze. And this guy yeah, is in, kicking, in, I mean, he's kicking. 16-ounce thickered cans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's amazing. He can't, he sells out. Wow, hazy, people love hazies. Yeah, and so See, that's, that, that that's came pull. from yeah, that's Paul. It's very much Paul. Yeah. People get a taste of the beers over here, and the Japanese do look like I said earlier, very much the U.S. for trends, and uh, it's it's huge. I think that the brewers over there have been you know behind a little bit, but that they're they're also watching now, you know, through their now because there's. Of events, for example, like Kuda Fuji, where there's a lot more interaction between over Japanese brewers and overseas brewers. They talk a lot more now, um, and they get their information directly from brewers yeah. abroad. And they, they start making that might be a bit of a, of a push or kind of a, a, a maybe a delayed push, perhaps. But uh, it's it's definitely that they look to the out the trends are starting out outside Japan. There is no native Japanese beer style that right. I'm that has gotten any traction whatsoever. Right. There are there are beers that are really ref, ref, reflecting Japanese culture, Japanese food, Japanese agriculture, but you're right, they don't have a lot of is, nobody's like grabbing a hold of them and saying this is our West Coast IPA. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody's right. doing that. Right. Not been, not yeah. And what do yeah. those look like? What describes some of those beers? I, I one my one of my favorite beers that's in that category is um Shiga Kogan, very large oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. one of the original craft breweries. Um, they make a beer called Miami Blonde, which has some toasted rice in it, uh-huh. and it's a flavor. You drink it, and you're like, "Oh my God, is there a toasted rice in there?" It's super clear that there's that's what's going on with it. And it doesn't taste like thin rice, like Bud Light r- thin rice. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's got this great sort of butt backbone to it, and it reminds you of some of those toasted rice teas that you made. Sure, in the oh, yeah, States. totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just a it's a great, but it drinks really clean, and it's super fun to drink, and it's something that an American brewer, sure, we might try that, but it's. Coming from a place of authenticity, yeah. when, when a Japanese brewer makes it, as opposed to experimentation, when a when an American brewer makes it. One of the things that I really do love about Japanese beer, I, I actually love the traditional mass mass market ones. I did for the beer bible. I did a big giant mass market uh, lager tasting, and I got oh. it from all around the world, blind tasting. And uh, the Japanese lagers, it was Sapporo was my big favorite yeah. there. Um, the, 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 the dry character, which was yep. featured prominently in the United States in like the late nineties or something. Super dry. Super, Super dry. dry. Everything became Super. that dry Super thing. Dry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number one brand, by the way. Yeah. 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 Super yeah. dry. Super dry. There is a character of dry. It's a mineral, you know, minerally dry, like mineral water quality. Mm. It's very refreshing. And, uh, um, much, I, much like cider in Japan, the word dry is a marketing word now. Uh-huh. It does not mean literally dry. Well, it doesn't not doesn't always necessarily means literally dry. So right. you got to be the, careful if you go there. In the in the case of Sapporo, it is a very dry presentation, yeah, yeah. and I love it. It's yeah. it's wonderful. And I've I've wondered. This is a thing that is popular. Clearly, that that's how Sapporo is made in Japan. Um, and I'm wondering if that kind of dryness, you know, high attenuation, uh, sparkling character. These are these are things that you could put in a beer if you wanted to, if it was already familiar. And I'm wondering if. Things that pre-existed uh, the craft beer movement are being picked up by craft brewers, or anything to do with sake. You know, uh, yeah. with uh, 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 what's the mold called? Koji. Koji. Yeah. Um, and and the whole process of making. There are some Japanese uh, 
microbreweries small, uh, that have tried using koji, um, but it hasn't really taken off. No, I think you know, Hitachi sake, Nest makes one. But, yeah, uh, sake yeah. yeast is something that's being used by mm-hmm. some Japanese brewers. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the um, cider makers that I know there are using um, sake yeast as well. Sake yeasts are not like any other kind of yeast in the world. They're numbered and documented right. and controlled basically by a sake consortium association or something. And there's not very many. It's like, like ten or something, right? No, it's like in the in many, many tens. Oh, really? But there are only like ten that are commonly used. Oh, okay. Um, so I actually, when I was there, I visited um, the birthplace of the discovery room of sake yeast number seven, which for a long time was the most famous sake yeast uh, <laughs> oh. in Japan. Um, and I actually did a collaboration. Our, our collaboration for the Hood to Fuji, or uh, yeah, Hood to Fuji, was with. Uh, sake number seven yeast, which was, oh, was it? which was to our knowledge the first time that anybody had ever made cider with um, sake number seven. Well, you know, we got to talk about Japanese cider then. That's, I have two. I mean, we're this this is too much of a segue. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, well, one of the things that blows my mind about the uh, Japanese sake yeast is that it is insanely tolerant to alcohol. You can you can ferment up to like twenty percent, and. Uh, Barley, like regular Saccharomyces, seeds, crap out at you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So that's kind of amazing. I'm really yeah, interested they, in they, sake. They tend, they, they tend to wa- they water down the sake actually to get it down to about fifteen, fourteen percent, right. <laughs> <laughs> just to show you how strong it is. Yeah, yeah. So this uh, this uh, cider, I just by, by the way, uh, this Yaku Hakuba. Hakuba. Really is a nice beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really liking it a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. A, com- a really accomplished beer. Hakuba Nagano, Japan. Um, so th- this one that I poured is actually, I guess, a, a home brew. Maybe we shouldn't exactly say who they are, so that because we don't it get is them illegal. In yeah, yeah. <laughs> made by um, a couple of fantastic people in uh, Akita, Akita which yeah. is uh, on the uh, western coast of Japan, yeah, northern, northern, northeastern part of Japan, on the west, on, on the, the west sea of side, Japan, sea of Japan side, facing the China. Eastern Sea. I forget the right, the politically correct yeah. term for it. Yeah. Days, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I'm going to assume it's made with. Um, 90% Fuji and 10% this, that, and the other, um, uh, a wine yeast. And these, these cider makers actually came and visited uh, with Red and I a couple of weeks ago Yeah, great. Um, to check out the Portland awesome. c- cider and beer scene as well. This, mm. this works. I haven't had it yet. <laughs> For people just kind of messing around with Ooh, it. Ooh, it's got some flavor in there that does not taste like normal cider. Maybe that was a beer that was in there before. We just I, I no, we huh. just poured it into a clean glass, and I'm getting. I think I'm getting what you're talking about. It's surprising to me as well. Yeah, there's like some fake fruit. fruit flavor in there, but in a good way, like some candy yeah. fruit flavor. Huh? There's um, there's a weird aroma. There's you, like some. What do we got going on with that? I'm gonna guess yuzu. Okay. There's. I think there's some citrus oh, in there. Oh, that might be. Yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt that there was some citrus added to this for okay. sure. Yeah. Heavy yuzu flavor. Mm. And like yuzu is a Japanese citrus fruit. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit like a lemon. Mm. Yeah, I think you could. Yeah, you got a grapefruit. Right. There's yeah, there's lots of citrus in Japan. Mm-hmm. Actually, they can they uh, you know can use. Wow, this is for, yeah, pretty good. Kind of, man, so the Japanese around. cider yeah. industry is well. There's no cider industry in right. any real way. Um, there's no, there's no, just to summarize, there's no word for cider in Japan. Oh, this is, this is all. Oh. So there's, it's, it's, that's a blessing There is and a, a word for cider, but it's a. It's a blessing and a curse. No, there's no native Japanese right, word for cider. Right, there's a word, saida. Saida. I mean, you can say is... anything, you can say anything in Japanese if you just put an extra syllable <laughs> at the end of you, it. Yeah. Um, saida, just to set what Nat's going to, I think, going to explain it. Saida is a term, it, it's a, basically a sprite like drink that came out after the war in the 1950s uh, by Mitsuya Saida. So when is. you say Saida to Japanese, they think 
of it is a this, white soda that comes so, in a plastic so, bottle. Yeah, uh, it's okay. a, and they're like they get what? And I've had people actually. I've had my uh, you know guests, my clients come to Japan and, and told me they had cider because they didn't want to drink anything alcoholic. They right. had cider in Portland. I said, oh yeah. no, you had you you drank you alcohol. Drank. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so and so the Japanese do have a word. They use words sidro or sidoru. Too, because there there have been some Japanese, I'm sorry, some French yeah. ciders mm-hmm. in you know Western style restaurants historically. They know a little bit about that, but the They've word been, cider, though, yeah. So the Japanese have been importing European wines for decades, yeah. and when you import European wines, invariably some ciders tag along on the palate, whether anybody wants it or not. So <laughs> there have been um, French, uh, French uh, only. Uh, st- uh, st- made uh, ciders, uh, which in French it's cidre. Right. So if you shidoru. if you Japaneseify it, that word it becomes shidoru. Shidoru. Yeah. Um, ah. So shidoru. when somebody says shidoru, they mean wine style ciders that are reminiscent of European production. Right. Yes. So that's what this one is. It's going to be made in a winery on a, on a on a wine um, wine license, so to speak. It's going to be made with wine yeast. It's going to be fermented cold and slow. It's going to be sold um in in the wine channels as well mm-hmm. so it, you know for those of you who know sort of my perspective on it that ain't cider that's apple wine mm-hmm. um so there really isn't any sort of cider culture cider industry in japan uh in the way that we have it in the northwest and that we have in america of where cider has aligned with beer in the united states as far right. as a from a from the consumer's perspective cider has aligned with beer right. in the united states right and um uh, I know a couple of folks that are in uh, Western Japan and Nagano who are starting up a sort of hard cider company um, and aligning more with beer and focusing on the cultural aspects right. of cider more so than the the wine um, affiliation of cider. So I've actually went to a cider festival my first time in Japan. Uh, it's a totally surreal experience. And there was um, 30 or so, 40. Is it Matsumoto? Was that where you no, went? No, no. It was in um, the, sea, the sea, seaport area, sea area, the, oh. the bay of Tokyo. Oh, okay. And... Um, it was actually just a cider wing of a wine festival, and uh-huh. there were probably 30 or 40 ciders, yeah. all made by wineries, and they all tasted exactly the same. All made with Fuji. <laughs> yeah, Fuji, right? Yeah, 100% yeah. Fuji, yeah. yeah, across the board. So th- so there's been, um, a, you know, it's it's basically, um, the industry is in its infancy in Japan still. I, I From my perspective, I have, you know, uh, a lot of uh, Japanese industry and consumer clients come to Portland, I show them around, and, and then I always, you know, try and take to, to drink cider. And it's interesting, the reaction is, um, they really like the taste of cider. We go to, we go to Nat's place all the time, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. love it. They mm-hmm. love what what what, you know, what you're doing. Um, and one interesting point that kind of comes up, and this goes back to the drinking culture conversation we had a little while ago, is Japanese when they drink, they always eat. Mm. And so there's there's they they like the taste of cider, but they don't know what would they pair it with. Now, of course, the folks right. over here know that, right. but that's a level that's kind of educational. You know, exercise has to take place in Japan. When right. you drink cider, what do you drink it with, yep. right? And, you know, there's so many varieties and, ty- st- you know, yeah. flavors. It's, I, it's, it's I, I, don't ever, I don't ever give them a, uh, help there because I'm always like, everything, <laughs> right? nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they do really enjoy the taste. Um, and But uh, there's, there's some education about pairing. The term itself, cider, what does it actually mean? And how common are, are apples commonly grown? Are they a common fruit in Japan? Uh, yeah, there's a there are a lot yeah. of apples. The, the 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 challenge right now, and I see this from some of my some of my clients who are actually apple farmers, 
who've come over and I've taken them to Nat's place. I've taken them to a lot of like farms in Hood River, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. where you, you're having a, a kind of an issue now where the hop, sorry, apple farms, probably you know, about this point in time, fifth, sixth generation, mm-hmm. apple consumption is going down in Japan. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a couple things behind it. One, one, one interesting thing is the Japanese... The apples have to be perfect for the supermarket to, to basically put them on their shelves or in their in their in the in the produce sections. Uh, another thing is this is this is a cultural thing. Japanese don't like peeling. They don't mm. eat apple skins. Mm. Ah. And apple's really hard to peel. If you guys have tried lately, yeah. <laughs> it's not like a you know a banana or you know like an orange. And so if it has to be if they peel and if it's hard to peel, they, they, the consumption is going down. So what you're seeing are these folks, for example, the 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 some the, the, the Smiths guys yep. that that um, Nat works with a lot. There's these fifth or sixth generation farms, these young guys, probably in their thirties, I'm saying. And like, what the hell are we gonna do to save the family farm? I don't right. I don't wanna be my generation where they right. would go under. So they're looking to other outlets, other ways to use their apples. And, you know, uh, you know, cider in the US is getting really popular. There are all these these apples they can't sell to the supermarkets. So it seems like a match made in heaven. Sure. So that's where a lot of interest from mm-hmm. From farms lately about how to kind of how can we save the farm that you know the the family farms so our, our our ancestors don't you know hate us for it you know because we were yeah. responsible for the farm going under. This is a to- this story I've heard the story from Hood River I've heard it from New England. This is a, you yeah know, trying to figure out a way to turn your crop into money uh, because you can no longer put it. It's your your farm is too small to put it into. Uh, the supermarket right. stream right. to make any right. money. So yeah, yeah this yeah. is a, a. But it's it's an even it's an even more weird tale in Japan because the we just opened one of these bottles made by Son of the Smith. This is their Yarling to Mill, uh, and I just noticed that it says bottle number one on it. So oh, no. <laughs> thanks, guys. I really appreciate that one, man. It's the original. Yeah, it's wow. the original. Let's, so uh, save this. It's a it's a collector's item. But these guys grow non Yarling to Mill. Yarling to Mill is an ugly apple that would never survive in a in a that, grocery store. That's a scrumpy man. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, bad boy. fully cloud. Yeah, I gave it a good upside down turn. But they 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 grow their Fujis and uh, the Miyajima farm for in in, in for instance they um, grow beautiful Fujis, gorgeous, um, perfectly colored, perfectly shaped, uh, very large Fujis, and they will sell them in the in the supermarket for five dollars per apple. Yeah, and they will sell a bottle of apple juice for twenty dollars oh, for the yeah, bottle of like, apple yeah, juice. Yeah, and they come to me and they're like, "Hey, we want to start a cider company." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> don't start a cider company. You're selling for five bucks a pop. Just hey, sell yes. some more five dollar apples, man." Because <laughs> <laughs> by comparison, for those um, you know listeners who don't buy apple juice at the five thousand gallon per 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 batch rate that I do, I pay about uh, I pay under a dollar a gallon. For apple juice delivered, and they're right. and they're selling a 500 milliliter bottle for 20 bucks. <laughs> so yeah. wow. you can just do your math on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. going to be a challenge. Yeah, we all have challenges, right? And I I don't I I understand enough about the Japanese apple culture to know that they have a unique set of challenges. I don't have any solutions. Right. We have. Uh, I don't. How how big is Japan? I assume the entire all of Japanese islands are probably smaller than Oregon or something like it's, that. I mean, oh, it's, it's two. Thir- so Oregon is two thirds the size of Japan. Okay. I, I, I guess it's that's supposed to be the size of California. Yeah. But with only twenty percent habitable land. Was that right? Correct. Yeah. It's mostly it's mountainous. Oh, right. I see. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this is one reason probably why it's hard to grow an inexpensive apple because you land is really. Oh, the land the, and there's the, also. So um, labor costs. Japan, there's no immigration. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have um, yeah, just native Japanese. Every there uh, are no. For those of you who visited Eastern Washington and seen the oceans of apples, where you can put your right. car in cruise control and drive for ten or fifteen minutes in straight line and just <laughs> right. pass apple trees, doesn't exist. No, no, there's yeah. no agriculture like that in Japan. There's no. no no crop is like that in Japan. Everything is on a small scale. Right. So the the, the apple plots that that I visited, which are large apple plots, are acres. Yeah. Single yeah. digit acres. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, hundreds also, of acres, well, thousands. Is a yeah. problem in Japan is in for these apple growers who want to sell cider. Um, in Japan, has probably some of the strictest anti-drunk driving laws that I've ever heard. Where yeah. it, literally, a drop of alcohol yeah. is enough to get you, you know, yeah. lose your license. And also, be by careful, the way, Nat. Uh, there's some of that stuff in in. Europe, you're where you're headed, so ah. oh. don't don't. <laughs> I'll leave my IDP, international driver's permit, at home. Good. <laughs> yeah, in Japan, even if you are in the car with somebody who's driving drunk, you are also held responsible. Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll, okay. So I'll, give you, I'll give you an awesome. This is you know slightly diversionary, but it's great for the since we're all everyone who's listening is a drinker. In Japan, they have this awesome taxi service where Whoa. two people Daiko. show yeah. up. In a taxi to your the bar uh, where you are, you drove your car one there, for you, and one you, for your car, and you oopsed, and so then your yeah. car is there. So one will get in your car and drive you in your yep, car. It's a great system to yeah. your house, right. and then uh, get j- jump back in the other taxi and then go yeah, off to the next it's, service. It's, it's, for, it's so, fantastic. Yeah, it's a great system. <laughs> but what it does mean that people there that dampens the ability just to have, say, example, a tasting room right. yeah. in the countryside yeah. where yeah. you know you are there are no trains, right? Where these farms are located, Rare so trains. this is a challenge. I mean, they, I think they had the the, the cideries, the, the farms had to sell more in the in the city. Yeah. It, it, it'd be great to sell on premise and keep all that, you know, yeah, that revenue. The, but, yeah, in the yeah. cities, there's a lot of drinking because there's yeah. very little driving, and there's so. lots of trains. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, Nat, you're the you're the cider guy. Hi. I, <laughs> I I think this is a pretty tasty cider. It's a delicious think? cider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These guys are good cider makers. Um, this is really good. Yeah. Um, they, uh, the main cider maker is a dude uh, named uh, Takuro-san. We call him Hakase. The, the professor. Because he just <laughs> yeah. uh, graduated, just finished his f- final prof's PhD level work in chemistry. So nice. the man is a um, he's fully qualified to be making something as common as. Apple cider. And he went to the OSU cider. cider program like a year or two ago. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah, and yeah. He, he worked. He's worked all around the world doing yeah. it. So he's a super um, smart scientist guy, basically, and he's devoted his life to making no money and uh, <laughs> making a lot of cider. Yeah, he's my so, kind of good man. guy. Really there good guy. Bad yeah. move there. Um, yeah. But so he's you know he's he works with these the the, the collection of them is apple growers and and cider makers and um, they really know what they're doing from a science point of view. Um, they, and then, you know, going back to our original point of this conversation, they love coming to Portland and blending yes. that that science and tradition of agriculture, the you know, fifth generation apple farmers, mm-hmm. with the fact that I don't touch apples um, 364 days a year. So how do we create a, a how do they create a cider culture that um, is modern, mm-hmm. um, but also reflecting their, you know, their unique um, talents and skills that they have? This is very good. Yeah. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask how that sake cider went. The sake yeast cider. It was fantastic. Um, the the sake yeast number seven. Um, it produces these uh, junmai. Help me with the pronunciation on junmai. That? Yeah, junmai yeah. Um, characteristics, which are uh, there's a. Well, I don't want to talk about sake too much, but there's a lot of different flavors in sake. Sake does not well, just you taste polish like the rice down too. Yeah, yeah, and the different yeah. yeasts all produce really really different flavors. A bit like the different sort of um, yeast that you could use across Europe, for instance. Um, in, in beer making, so uh, really fantastic flavor had these these really intense um, flavors and aromas from the yeast. Uh, we also added some uh, mosaic hops in there, which I think was uh, accentuating yeah, some yeah. of those flavors as well. Yeah, came even out, though they ferment uh, low, it seems like they get a ton of esters. They ferment you correct. Know? Yeah, yeah and, and then when you add some, I brought um, Oregon made honey with me uh-huh. for the collaboration. So when you add sweetness to esters, you get this really just waves of tropical fruitiness, mm. nice without being sweet. So right. Uh, right. it was a it was a really fun project to make. Um, it was called Yao Yorozu. Yeah, it was a really good, uh, yeah, really good collabo. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so just to kind of more background to the, the that 
the, the festival happened in June, Hood to Fuji, the rule, there were two rules. And what Nat's kind of referring to indirectly is one of the rules was the, the beers and the ciders are all made in Japan, but they all had to use Oregon ingredients. Mm, okay. So you used, uh, what was it, honey? And... Uh, Oregon honey and Oregon hops. And Oregon hops, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I'm going for the last one here. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. We're going to switch uh, back to beer. Yeah, we're, this going, gives we're me back a, to beer now. Okay. Yeah, it gives me a chance to ask really quickly because I never had a chance to interject before. Who are the craft beer drinkers in Japan? Are they young? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Young, urban. Okay. Um, it's mainly constant. The, 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 the drinkers are, I would say, late 20s because, again, this is expensive. So yeah. you, if you're just out of like, you know, university, <laughs> you can afford it. You to start so making late, money first. Late 20s, I would say, to mid-40s. Uh-huh. Uh, largely, right now, uh, Tokyo, Yokohama, and Osaka, the okay. big three cities. The the other cities in Japan, you see, we've heard of before, really don't have much of a craft beer scene. With right. the, probably the exception, Sapporo. Sapporo, um, even though it's a relatively small city, it does have a pretty strong craft beer scene going on. But the other cities in Japan, it still has yet to take off. It's very much a yet. Uh, the major urban centers right. skews younger. But um, speaking of city size, this is the the beer we just opened is um, was made in Matsumoto, which is in the in Nagano prefecture, second largest city in Nagano. Nagano. I mean, first after Nagano second, city, yeah, yeah. It's um, fairly fairly um, maybe half the size of Portland, something like that. Um, and there's a brewery there, and uh, there's a couple of craft beery places that you can go. Mm-hmm. So um, you can find craft beer in any. Even mid-size, or as Jeff and I went went at each other recently on Twitter, any fifty thousand population or, <laughs> yeah. or, or smaller, any fifty thousand population or larger city in in Japan, you you can find some you find beer. something. Yeah. 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 We yeah. did not go after each other. We went near each other. I, yeah. I, I I've I, I've gone after people on Twitter, and that was uh, the most genteel. If we were debating, I didn't even realize you and it. I are bad at Twitter. We're just too nice to each other. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was very gentle. So this is a, another excellent beer. What do we mm. have here? So this is made by I guess like uh, Matsumoto Brewery. Um, and it is their castle stout. Um, castle refers to the Matsumoto Castle, Matsumoto which, yeah. which was uh, mm. yeah, um, very, very old. For, I think from the 1500s um, was the, the number that I recall. Ooh, that's nice. On that. oh, yeah, that's um, really nice. That's castle really surrounded by yeah. a moat. Um, it's, it's sort of the iconic uh, piece of mm. uh, tourism in Matsumoto. Right. Matsumoto is a fairly tourist city in um, Nagano goes. It's a, ma- a major train stop, and there's some fun things to see there. So they're making beer um, for the locals as well as the tourists that come through. You know, you might check out one thing that I always like to point out to people who are considering a, a visit to Japan is that this, you know, we're drinking beers straight from Japan, and you guys don't speak any Japanese, excluding red. Mm-hmm. And we can make out what the beer is. We can make out what the ABV is. We can understand the style and where it was made. Japan is a very easy city for non-Japanese speakers to deal with. Um, uh, not 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 easier than England or whatever. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, probably easier than Prague, which is yeah, nothing is easier not intimidating there. at yeah. all. So when you when mm-hmm. if you want to if you want to visit Japan, you know, Japan's hosting the Summer Olympics next year, and they're mm-hmm. really putting a lot of effort into making it. Um, accessible to you know the, the the world the language of our world which is english thankfully um so all the you know all the street signs and darn near everywhere outside the tiniest little podunk town are going to be in english and um you know i went to my, my wife and daughter and i went to a restaurant that did not have an english menu and we managed to get through the the meal yeah. just fine we ate some um fried chicken butt 
It's always good. <laughs> I hate fried chicken. Well, at least it was fried. It wasn't raw. Yeah. That no, <laughs> raw is good, so. I, I'm, I've never had chicken butt, but I bet it's better than the feet, which I've had. <laughs> no. Not yeah. a fan yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it is it – is, if people do do encourage people to go, it, I think it's all, it's about the Japanese themselves are some of the friendliest, most polite, considerate. They, they want people. you to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Every every person up and down wants you to be there. Yeah. Well, Mat- Matsumoto Castle Stout. It's it's uh, it's. I don't know how strong it is, but it's got a really uh, robust flavor. It's yeah. uh, almost uh, on the licorice side. It's uh, the, the the dark malts produce a really complex flavor of. There's some sweetness there. Yeah, it's low ABV. My guess is that it's five. Yeah. Probably yeah. so, yeah. Um, but it's got um, licorice and yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting roast because and it's really nice. And it's a small brew. It's I think a seven barrel brew house, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Ten barrel. And that's what the collab brew yeah. was done. Correct. Right? Yeah, I did a collaboration okay. with these guys as well. So if this is a if this is a reasonably representative sample, then it's interesting because there's English and some Belgian sort of traditions that are being mixed in. My only sort of frame of reference is Brazil, where early on my impression was the craft beer scene was almost all based in. In doing craft versions of German oh, light lagers, yeah, right, right, um, and so that was sort of the entryway. And now you're starting to see more American mm. style, some British. No, we see a lot of styles in yeah. Japan. Japanese craft beer is full of styles. Right. I mean, IPA yeah. is big. Yeah, I didn't yeah, bring any IPAs yeah. because yeah, there's lots of IPAs. I don't need yeah. to. Yeah. Everybody gets that. It's funny. I haven't seen a whole lot of of the German lighter, like you know, Pilsner right. or no, Hellas beers. I haven't seen a lot. They have Japanese beers. Yeah. So it's like you know, we it took us a while here, right, to get there too. So you know, I look at Japan as being you know, I don't know, from a beer industry perspective. Probably you know two, three, four years behind five, ten yeah, well, us. But so the yeah. builders will come about. But right now, there's they're the K's are just kind of hidden, and they're yeah, they're extremely yeah. popular. They're very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, very good. Yeah. I had and when I was in um, uh, Matsumoto, just outside Matsumoto, I had one night. I had a treehouse and um, an Uchu beer at the same Uchu. Yeah, that's the in one. the same night and two hazies, one made there and and one made treehouse land. Um, treehouse was better. But oh. the Uchu was um, holding its own. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all right. If it's holding its own with Treehouse, it's, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's Quite fine. Yeah. That's like if you have a Pilsner and it's holding its own with... Uh, uh, Eyinger. Unyatitsa or something. It's yeah. like, okay, that's all right. right. Yeah. That if, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're in the discussion, you're in the discussion. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. <laughs> they were in the same room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. Uh, we could go on for hours. I, I have a sense that we could go on for hours. Just and scratching I, the surface. I really, right. I really want to go to one of these tiny rooms and start out with lots of beer and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've gotten in trouble in other foreign countries, and it's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you want you want to talk about uh, Fuji to Hood coming up next year? So yes, just a real quick. Uh, we yeah. will be doing so. Uh, this year was Hood to Fuji, and so next year will be. Uh, Fuji to Hood. Okay, mm-hmm. back and uh, forth. We're aiming mm-hmm. for the April time frame, mm-hmm. and probably as many teams, or if not a few more than uh, this year, so about at least seventeen. And um, there's Japanese food. There'll be Japanese food. We're still working it through. We'll but get the Taiko drummers in. Well, last last year we had yeah. them. Yeah. So we want to. We may well have some Japanese. We're thinking. This is just conceptual right now. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in addition to the beer and cider, maybe some collabos on kombucha. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Some, yeah, some food combos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's about the, the festival is about cultural exchange yeah not just beer not just, it, it's about getting people together yeah. this will happen in portland yes Correct, next yeah. year's in portland it's okay. like the olympics kind of right? okay you can yeah, switch right. around yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let us know when you form from the details and yeah we'll, uh, we'll uh, do yeah. we will definitely uh, report out on that and let people know so they can oh, make their thank travel you. plans to portland oregon yep thank you which is the center of the universe beer, beer <laughs> universe yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. so uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. So uh, we have to do our outro. Uh, so uh, Red and Nat, domo arigato gozaimasu. Toshimashimasu. 
uh, a few words going out. So please subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate us, review us. We appreciate it. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Send your uh, questions or comments. Uh, follow Nat's lead, Jeff at Beervana Blog. You can email. You can also uh, direct message us. We have a Twitter. Our Twitter is at Beervana Pod. Do you guys want to? Do you guys? Yes. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Uh, do you guys want to throw out your own yeah, Twitter you handles? Oh yeah. Well, Nat West, Reverend Nat's Hard Cider. Oh, we're on all the platforms at Rev Nat's Cider. There you go. Excellent. And uh, Oshushu, for those of you who want to practice up your Japanese, it's at Oshushu, so O-S-H-U-S-H-U-U. There you Excellent. go. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, Jeff tweets at Birvana and writes the Birvana blog. Patrick tweets at Birvanomics and does no longer do any blogging. Hey. But we still love him. Yeah. The future oh, is bright. Yeah, that was like naughties. You yeah, know. it's okay. true. It's true. Right. I'm a dinosaur. All right, so how do we, how do we uh, cheers in Japanese? You say, you say kanpai. 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 Kanpai.